This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Rachel Kipp, Associate Editorial Director of the Knowledge at Wharton website, and this is the first episode of a new series we're calling Entrepreneur's Playbook. We're going to talk to the experts about everything you need to know to launch a startup. Our first guest is Jenny Lefcourt. She's general partner at Freestyle Capital, which specializes in seed and early stage investments. Jenny, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Jenny, you're here to talk to us a little bit about working with and pitching to VCs, but and actually, you started in your career on the entrepreneur side. So could you talk to us a little bit about your path through the startup world and then how you ended up on the VC side? Absolutely. So I was at Stanford Business School when I started working on a business plan with a classmate of mine. We, um, it started as a project and it grew into a business that we were very serious about. And during that time, we had the luxury of working closely with an associate at Kleiner Perkins who was sort of mentoring us along. And at some point, we tipped into not just working on a project and not just getting mentoring, but saying this is a business and we're ready to fund it or get it funded. And so we met with a number of VCs and raised venture capital, having never done it before. And it's one of those things that once you go through the process, you understand it a hell of a lot more than you do when you're on the other side before you've gone through the process. Right. And now on a basic level, can you tell me a little bit about what are VCs looking for in startups or in people who are trying to launch them? Yeah, so it's, 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 um, it's interesting because VCs have to come to the table a little bit differently than founders do. Founders have sort of had their Kool-Aid, right? They're full believers and they see all the opportunity of what could be. And VCs need to, to obviously see that vision as well, but they come to the table a little bit more skeptical about what are the points, what are the key risks that this company is going to have to overcome to make that vision a reality. And so VCs are looking, especially at our stage, we're looking for incredible teams, right, teams that we believe in will figure it out. Because in the beginning, whatever your plan is, I can guarantee you're not going to produce to your plan. You're either going to overproduce, underproduce, or take it in a completely different direction. So the one thing that's known at Seed is that most most of the facts are not known. And so the team is what ends up sort of making the opportunity as great as it is or not. So a very strong team that's not just strong in their own right, but strong for the business that they're trying to build. And then a market that you think is a massive opportunity, right? So the market itself needs to be large. And when you sort of extrapolate the numbers and what's called the TAM, right, the actual market that you can address, you want to make sure that it's big enough that it should be a VC-backed company. There are lots of great companies out there and great solutions, but not all of them are, are venture-backed companies or should be venture-backed companies. Mm-hmm. And now how does it change over time? Like as your company is growing and you're getting into future, into further and further rounds, how is what the VC is looking for change? It's a great question. So a VC is looking for different things depending what stage the company is at. And so the more, the further you go along in the financing, meaning, you know, there's, there's, there's now something called pre-seed, but in the old days there was, you know, there's seed, series A, series B. 
along those lines, usually valuation is increasing, the amount of capital is increasing, and the VCs are looking for different things. And the the main um, difference is that the business has been de-risked. Mm-hmm. And so at seed stage, we're looking to have a clear vision of a very big, valuable company, how it sort of works within the ecosystem, why this team is the right team, and sort of the short-term product roadmap and the long-term product vision. And there's going to be a ton that we don't know, but we're going to understand that and call those calculated risks and feel comfortable making them. By the time our companies then go out to raise their Series A, that group of VCs is looking for something similar, but they're really looking for the metrics. And the metrics of success are going to be different depending on what the company is. Mm -hmm. So they either have maybe the company has proven that there's such strong demand or there's incredible product market fit. Or they, the, the, the product they were giving away for free when they got their seed investment is now a product that they're charging a million dollars for. So they're looking to sort of check off some of those risks that we took on because we came in earlier. The VCs are looking for something very similar, but they're looking for a number, number of those to be checked off. Now, what should – so startups also have to think about this from the other side of it. If I'm a startup and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in terms of working with a VC, what kind of homework do I need to be doing? Or how do I even know whether VC funding is the right thing for me at this particular stage in my company? Yeah, so I think the first thing you want to think about is, is this a lifestyle business, right? Is this a cash-producing business, but it's not gonna, it doesn't have the potential to one day be worth a billion dollars or more? Or, it, or is it something that you think could be a massive company if you raise the capital and had the right team to execute? And so if it's the latter, then who you speak with and the homework you do very much um, uh, it depends on what you're looking to raise, how much you're looking to raise, and what stage you are. So I recently, I think it was yesterday, the day before, met with an entrepreneur who bootstrapped his idea for four or five months because he wanted to prove to himself first that the demand side was as real as he thought. So before he sort of dedicated his life to something and took on a bunch of venture capital money, he wanted to make sure that he had faith, forget even convincing the VC, that the demand side was there. So at that point, he was looking for no capital. Once he did that then, then he decided, okay, I want to raise about $2 million. And so from there, you say, okay, what are the types of people that write $2 million checks or will lead a $2 million round? And that's when you start to kind of be able to silo sort of to your question about where do you begin? How do you get your list together? What's the homework? Once you know how much you're raising, then it's easy to kind of follow then who would likely be a part of that round. And then once you do, there are lots of lists that you can get from your, you know, your colleagues, your your classmates, your the, the, the Internet, Quora, whatnot. But there are tons of lists that will list out top you know, uh, angel syndicates, top seed uh, funds. And now, you know, there's probably 300 different seed funds. And so understanding which one is right for you is the homework you'll start to do by hearing about reputation, by looking on their website, seeing their portfolio. If there's something directly competitive, you don't want to pitch them. However, if there's something that's similar and you think, wow, they'll really get it, then that is someone you want to pitch. So that's the type of homework you want to begin to do before you even enter into their office. Mm-hmm. Now, once you get, once you're about to enter into the office, you're stepping off the elevator. You've got everything in hand. What needs to be in that slide deck? What do you need to have in your arsenal to have that first conversation? It's a 
great question. So, so you really are at this point selling the opportunity that there is an opportunity there and that you are a person that they think they would want to work with. So a lot of entrepreneurs come in and they want to give you every fact under the sun to, one, prove that they really know the space, and, two, thinking you may want to know all this stuff. And what's really important is to not go to the latter, to not go into the weeds of all the details. Because mm-hmm. what you're trying to do is give them enough information that they want more information. So your goal of meeting number one is to get people interested enough that they want meeting number two. So what do you need to cover? Well, you need to cover the market. You really need to understand how or explain how big the market is. What is changing in the market that makes this opportunity exist now, but maybe it didn't exist two years ago? And so some people call that the opportunity. Some people call it the problem. And then what you believe the solution is and why you think that that solution would work and how valuable is that solution. So oftentimes people talk about, you know, you want to make sure there's a pot of gold on the other, uh, on the, at the end of the rainbow. And then you want to look at the team and, and the market conditions to decide if you ever think that you can get to that side of the rainbow. So, so you basically have to show that there's market, there's opportunity. You have sort of envisioned and have a vision for a great solution. That solution, assuming success, will be valuable and that you're the team to make that happen. And then additionally, if you have any metrics to kind of prove, as we talked about earlier, de-risking the business, right? So let's say it's a marketplace. Maybe you have data where you've shown that you know the demand side is there and here are your theories of to why you know the supply side is there or vice versa. So you're really trying to sort of, once again, paint the big vision, but also try to provide as much data or as much traction as you can so that not only do they see the vision, but they can believe that it can it can be made. It can, cre- it can be created. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you know, how do you figure out like what your ask is? Because I would think that's a big question to try and answer and it's pretty crucial, but you don't want to ask for too much. You don't want to ask for too little. You don't really know what's going to happen in the future. So what do you do? So it's, it's not as important of a question as I think a lot of founders think it is. I think overall, as a founder, you want to think about what do I need to get my business to the next milestone where I have de-risked some, right, so that my next round it happens and is more valuable mm-hmm. or the valuation is higher. And so you want to think about, okay, if that's what I want to achieve, okay, and that's when do I think I can achieve it and what are the resources I need to make happen? And then th- what should fall out of that is how much capital you need to get to that next milestone. And I always tell entrepreneurs, make sure that you budget for longer and more money, more resources, because everything is harder and takes more time than you ever imagine it will. And so that kind of lays out for you how much you need to raise to get to that next milestone. And so sometimes it's not that clear. Is it $2 million? If $3 million? It doesn't really matter because if you get a VC interested in your vision, in your team, and they have the information they need. I mean, I know we work this way, and I think a lot of our, you know, BC friends work this way. We partner with our founders to say, what is the smartest way to get you capitalized fully? So sometimes people come in and tell us they're raising 1.5, and we end up saying, you know what, Series A has gotten harder. We recommend three. Mm-hmm. And here's the part that we'll play in that because we do lead rounds. 
Um, and so we never push more capital on an entrepreneur when it doesn't make sense, but we always have conversations with entrepreneurs as to what is the right capital to raise for their business. And so the ask, and then in terms of the ask, you don't have to worry about it that much because to some extent the VC will tell you what they want. Some people, let's just say you're raising three, a VC may say, we'd like the whole thing. Others will say, you know, people like us will say, you know, we'd like to lead your round with a million, and then we can syndicate it out and get some other hardworking capital into the mix to get you to three. So at that point, it's more of a conversation. You should know a little bit about what you're going to achieve and by when and the resources, you know, what capital you think it will take. But beyond that, in terms of what you're asking the person on the other side of the table, I don't think you need to worry about that as much. So it's not as much about having an answer. It's more about being prepared to listen and have a conversation. Exactly. Now, I was interested to read that you actually met your business partners when you were pitching them. And that made me curious, when you have pitched to VCs, when you were on that side of the table, what were kind of your personal approaches to doing it? What are the things that you made sure that you absolutely did to prep? Are there things that you always would mention in the conversation? Like, what are kind of your personal secrets to doing this? Yeah, so I there's a few things. So one is you have to remember that while your business is what you think about 24-7, you've got these people for half an hour to an hour. And so it's your job to grab their attention and to be a good listener as well as a good visionary, right, and paint them a picture that's exciting. And so I think that going in there and understanding that um, that that's your job. It's a, you know you don't think of venture pitching as sales, but you are. You're selling to them that this is something they want to be a part of. The other thing that I think that I've been able to do as someone I have raised a lot of capital. I've done it for three different uh, companies. Is understanding sort of the world that they're coming from and understanding their risks. So not taking a question or an idea as a personal affront, right? Understanding there's really smart people out there, and they're going to give you their ideas. They're going to disagree with you. And the more you embrace that process and the more you enjoy that process, the stronger you're going to be, whether that VC ends up investing in you or not. And so I actually wrote a blog post about learning to love the process of fundraising because I can often tell the difference between those who are coming in and pitching their business and just, like, hoping to get this process over with so, you know, they can get your capital and get back to work, which Mm I completely understand and have a ton of empathy for. I've been there. Versus those who sort of enjoy the challenges and the conversation, the debate, and understand no matter what, whether you invest in me or not, I'm going to get something out of this meeting. The latter usually ends up being winning because it's a little bit more of a growth mindset to the whole process. Right. Because, you know, no matter what your approach is, whether you love it or you don't love it, you have to go through it. So you might as well love it and get as much knowledge out of the process as you can. And then, you know, what also falls out is that you have an energy that is a lot more attractive to work with. Mm -hmm, Because you're going into it being open to learning something, even if you don't come out the door with a partnership. Exactly. Exactly. Now, when somebody, I, I read somewhere that Freestyle only funds about a dozen firms each year. Is that correct? That is correct. And sometimes it's fewer and sometimes it's more. Um, we don't keep ourselves to a particular cadence. Mm-hmm. We, we're more opportunistic. And so when we love an opportunity, we're in. And if we're, you know, if we go through periods where we don't find it, then that's okay with us. Now, this does, I mean, this means entrepreneurs coming through the door. There's a lot more coming through the door who are not being funded than who are. 
So I was curious, I mean, when you've got someone coming in for that first meeting, when they walk in the door, what's the first thing that you notice about somebody? Um, I think I noticed their their attitude, right? Like, are they are they excited to have a conversation and get feedback and sort of, you know, the passion that they have for their idea um, or not? Um, and I also, you know, to, 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 to the point that you bring up, I think that you just have to understand that it is a process. And you're going to hear most people will hear a hell of a lot more no's than yeses. And so, you know, sort of that idea of the person being intellectually curious, ready to have a conversation, ready to sell you on their vision, but also hear you and, and, and get your thoughts on things, um, I think is that fine balance. And that you can feel that energy and you can feel sort of that attitude, I would say, within the first five to ten minutes. Now, as you move on with a relationship with a VC, I would imagine one of the most difficult things for entrepreneurs is when you get to that point where you have a disagreement, where you ha- you feel one thing, they think another. What would be your recommendations for working through those types of situations? How do you figure out what your line in the sand is? Because I imagine you have to have something you're not going to compromise on, but not everything. Is your question for when you're still pitching and working with them and you they have not yet backed you or is it now they've they've put capital in your business and that disagreement happens because actually i think answering both is interesting if well i was gonna, actually I answer both? Now that, yeah now that you said that i was like yes i'm interested in both okay wonderful so i think first of all it's very interesting and i think it's important for founders to know is that VCs want to work with a founder who really has a vision and is thoughtful, but is also a great listener and open-minded. So walking that balance, right, where you disagree, right, you want the capital, you want to sort of, your tendency may be to agree, but the reality is when you're a VC, it doesn't feel good when someone is calling you black and you say, well, I think white would be better. And they say, yeah, okay, let's go with white. And you think, okay, where's the conviction, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if, if they felt one way, why are they not giving the arguments for it? On the other hand, when someone's not open-minded and they're pitching you, and they're pitching you black, 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 and you say, have you considered white? Because white could be interesting for this reason. And they sort of are like, nope, that would be black this has to be. And you're like, okay, you're not open-minded. You're not even playing with me. And so there is that line that when you're pitching, you have to walk where you don't want to just please them and agree with them, but you also need to be open-minded and thoughtful because, by the way, people will give you good ideas. And so the answer to how to do that is just to be authentic about it. Uh, and then you're, you won't be confused. Know what you feel strongly about and be open-minded to, to someone pointing something out that could be interesting. Now, if I answer the question, you have capital, and you and your VC see the world differently, I just say, you know, I got great advice from an independent board member on my first company, and at the time, it sounded like possibly the dumbest advice I ever got, and it turned out to be the wisest advice I ever got, which is we were having a disagreement, and we went to our independent board member, and we said, what do we do here? He says, you sit down, and you have a nice conversation. (laughs) And we're like, wait, but what else? And that was that was the advice. And that's exactly what you do. So the, the good news is, is once someone is an investor in your company, assuming the terms were done, you know, sort of the, the vanilla terms, the, the founder-friendly term way, everyone is aligned, right? So everyone wants the company to be successful. Everyone wants the founder to be successful. So if there's a disagreement, it should just be discussed. 
and the, the pros, the cons, the various outcomes. And the VC may be right. The, the, the founder may be right. There may be something in between. But there's only one way to get there, and that's with really open, honest communication. Now, once you've got funding from a VC, what would you say is one thing about, because I feel like a lot of people probably think about the point of getting to where they're pitching and they're successful, but maybe not as much about what happens next. What would you say is one thing that would probably be most surprising about what happens next after you do that successful pitch, after you've gotten the funding? Um, I think that the, the, the thing is that it's a relationship. And the, this is now a partner of yours. And so you have to, rather than treat them as just someone who gave you money and you just want to please them, you have to bring them into your fold and, first of all, have them help you, right? Like, our job is to make our company successful in however we can. And so I think that that only happens with really good communication. I've seen many founders afraid of their investors, afraid to disappoint them, afraid to disagree with them. And I always tell them, you're not doing anyone a, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing the VC a disservice. So I would just say that you have to understand that it's just a relationship like you would have with a co-founder and that these people, we want to be in the loop for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we really want to be a, a part partner in making great things happen. And so don't be fearful. Don't be pleased. Don't just try to be a pleaser. Come to the table with what you believe and be really sort of open kimono about everything. And I think you'll have a great relationship with your VC. Mm-hmm. Now, we have time for one more question. So if someone is an, an aspiring entrepreneur out there, what is one thing quickly that you think they should read, like a book or one podcast they should listen to, like one resource that they should definitely pick up when they're trying to go through this process? So one of my favorite books is Brad Feld's, and I think it's called Venture Deals. I'm not sure if I have the title right, but it's Brad Feld's book, and it sort of demystifies the whole, all the terms, because I think a lot of people um, don't really understand what they're signing up for and don't understand sort of the fine print. And you get a great lawyer to take care of it for you, but an entrepreneur should really understand that, I think, more than the average do. So that's one of my favorites. And then just a book that I think everyone should read, whether you're looking for funding or just doing anything in life, is Positive Intelligence. Um, It's an amazing book, and it just lets you focus on sort of um, your task at hand and not – it's a little meditative meets uh, productivity, but it's one of my all-time favorite books, and it's something I often give my founders because it's stressful. And you're better off dealing with what needs to be done versus the story your brain can tell you about how you may fail, how you may may let all your employees down. That added stress doesn't add anything um, positive into the mix. So not really a venture book, but a book that I just recommend to all because it is a really hard journey. I think that the media has sort of glamorized it to some extent, Mm -hmm. and everyone wants to be a founder, but it's not easy. It is really not easy, and it's not all up and to the right. In fact, I would argue it's kind of never all up and to the right. And so understanding that and being ready for the journey, I think, is really important. Jenny, thanks so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. I look forward to more. Thank you. You've been listening to Entrepreneur's Playbook, a podcast by Knowledge at Wharton. And you can find more on the Knowledge at Wharton website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find us on iTunes. And please leave us a review. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.